Hi listeners, welcome back to another episode of Fishy Tales with myself, Mick Clark, and my colleague, Rudolf Skeepers. Hi Mick, yes, uh, very nice to be back with you. And um, Mick, um, what's our topic of discussion today? Well, Rudolf, I think the hot topic at the moment is that uh, Mozambique borders are open, so everybody's itching to get across there, and within days of them opening, there's thousand questions already so let first of all let's try and answer some of those questions about getting into Mozambique and you know we'll talk about um, all the episodes what go on there and a bit of advice for anybody traveling to Mozambique. Well Mick yes I will try my best to give a bit of advice although we're still in the dark as well. Um, as you are aware um, we've got a lodge up near Vilankudos called Baboon Point Lodge which we started two or three years ago and we're very desperate to go back there um, obviously to do uh, trips with our clients and do some serious maintenance work because we haven't been there for the whole year. But there are a lot of unanswered questions and we've been trying our best to find out how we're going to get there and how we're going to get back. So I'll just give you a bit of feedback as to what we've sort of achieved up to now. And um, hopefully, maybe there are some people out there that know better than us, but we've been talking to people who've been through the border and uh, on their way back now. So let me sort of give you a bit of feedback on how it works now regarding the COVID tests. So basically, when you enter Mozambique now, you have to produce a COVID test from a medical facility in South Africa, which is not too difficult to find, not older than 72 hours. So that is quite an easy one to do, and that's not a big problem for us. So say there's many places within South Africa we can get this test done. Our big problem is returning from Mozambique back into South Africa. they also require that 72-hour or a COVID test not older than 72 hours when you return back over the border. And that's where it gets very complicated. Um, so up to now, we've um, the area we pass through is obviously Maputo, and then we go north to Velenkulos. That's our, the closest town to our lodge. So we've identified two places that can do these tests for us. Um, the test can be done in Velenkulos at the Netcare 911 facility. But it's quite pricey. It's 2,500 rand for a test per person. Oh, wow. And then the other problem is that they cannot guarantee us that the results will be in after, say, 24 hours. So that is our biggest problem because we basically days drive from that facility. So we've got a halfway through our week there with our clients go back, get the test done, come back to the lodge, complete the tour, then go back to Vilankulos, collect the results, and hopefully they are done and correct then go back from there take a 13 hour drive back to the border and produce this test not older than 72 hours so at this stage it's a big headache for us and it's almost impossible for us to do it because we we cannot guarantee that the results of the test will be in um, within a certain amount of time so that's that's a big problem for us all right so i think for the guys going to the southern side of mozambique to ponto and those areas there where most of the holiday makers go um, it might be a bit easier because you can go from Ponto to a facility in Maputo. Um, I would suggest you give it a bit of time, but I think they're, they're a bit more jacked up there. Go do your test and then within s- receiving your results, um, leave the country within that 72-hour period. But it's, um, it's, it's not all 100% clear yet. People have gone in, um, so we're waiting for guys to come back and give us some feedback. So on the COVID side of things, that's where we stand at the moment, Mick. Yeah, okay, so pretty much what I know, Rudolf, it's quite confusing at the moment. Um, I didn't realize it was two and a half thousand rand for the test, though, um, to do it. 
My concern would be that um, Maputo, is, there's going to be so many people at that one place to get that test done. Um, I don't know whether guys are going to have time to get that test and go back to where they're originally going. I don't know whether they're going to stay in Maputo and then come back. So I too have got colleagues there now, friends there. Let's see what they say when they come back. But uh, hopefully the, the, the borders get open. And on the subject of borders, which borders are actually open then? I know the Ponto border is closed at the moment. Um, there's not too many open, is there? Um, yes, Mick. Um, I'm not 100% sure when Ponto is going to open. Um, maybe some of our listeners can give us a bit of info on that. Um, we use a, I use a Ponto one every now and then, but we prefer to use a Kamati one, which is open. That's open, yeah. But I think it's going to be very, very busy as well. So um, let's hope things improve and there's a bit more clarity soon because I think there's a lot of people that want to go through for business purposes like us. And then obviously Christmas holidays are coming up and there are a lot of people that have got their places in Ponto, which I always want to go visit. And um, I think we'll keep the listeners up to date, um, maybe in the next week or two, as soon as things develop. And we're getting feedback from people who actually went and came back. And hopefully we've got some good news regarding um, those tests and hopefully they change it when they see that it's, it's going to be very difficult for people to get the results in Mozambique. Yeah, and something else I found out, Rudolph, was that if you go through Swaziland, there's a small border, Nemahash. Yes, I think that's correct. how you pronounce Namahash, it. That, yes, that yeah. border's open. So guys have been through there already. So anybody wanting to go into um, the Ponte or that sort of area, they could go through that way. That, that's definitely open at the moment. Um, so then if we can get across the border to Mozambique and guys haven't been before, it's for me, it's a do- quite a daunting task for your first experience going to Mozambique. You go often, Rudolph. What sort of paperwork do you need to take with you when you're going to Mozambique? Yes, Mick, I'm um, just going one step back quickly. That Namahash border um, going through Swaziland, um, a lot of people know that the road was very, very bad in that Big Bend area in Swaziland. Um, we drove it just before the lockdown. Um, actually, the Wednesday before the lockdown, I came through that, that sort of uh, road Big Bend, Swaziland border, and some good feedback is that they work on that road, and it was like 80% complete, so that road's very good again. So for the guys that like traveling through Swaziland, um, that road by now should obviously be finished, and it's much better traveling that road. Is that um, that gravel road? No, it was a tar road, but it was full of potholes. Um, there oh, was about okay. 30 kilometers of tar road. It was very bad, but they, they're busy fixing it, and they were almost done when we went through there, and it's actually a very nice scenic road. I enjoy that Swaziland road, going through there every now and then. But to get back to the paperwork, Mick, I must say, initially when we started building our lodge uh, three years ago, um, actually we've been doing these Mozambique trips for the last almost 10 years now. But when we started building the lodge, we went quite a lot and frequently. And we all learned the hard way when it came to paperwork. And obviously there are your legal paperwork, which are um, which you require by law. And then every now and then there's a few other things that it might not be law, but which when you get pulled over, they ask for. So I'm going to give you the sort of the legal paperwork that they require. And then there's other little things that they like to give you a fine <laughs> on. <laughs> and if you haven't got it, um, you must be end up paying a small fine. So I always have that in my vehicle as well. So I don't want to give them any excuse to give me a fine, which is uh, can be perceived as a bribe. So the first thing that's very important, obviously if coming from South Africa is a valid passport. Um, and if you got young kiddies, there's an unabridged birth certificate. It's very, very important for the kiddies. They won't let them through if they haven't got that. And then on your passport, you are allowed to stay in the country for 30 days. Um, 
any uh, day longer than 30 days you're going to end up getting a fine and you don't actually want to do that um, because it's a, it's a very difficult process to leave the country if you've stayed longer than 30 days. Um, then your vehicle registration papers are critical uh, make sure your vehicle license is up to date um, and then your valid driver's license and if you've got a, um, a vehicle that's not in your name it's a company vehicle or you're driving with a friend's vehicle it's very important that, you, uh, that you have a, a letter of authority or proxy from the company saying that they give you permission to take this vehicle through the border um, obviously with all your details on this um, letterhead with a company letterhead attached to it so that is also very important and I have been um, to the border where I've seen guys really stand there for hours trying to debate the point when they haven't got the paper when they actually require it so make sure you've got that then something else that's very very important is a letter from an insurance company um, you, and just it's a very simple process you phone the insurance company you say to them I'm going to be over the border um, I normally say it's for 30 days even though it's just maybe for two or three days so I cover that whole period that whole 30 day period that I'm going to be there they write it on a letter on their letter with your ID number your name your vehicle registration I'm saying this vehicle is insured in South Africa and we basically give you this vehicle permission to leave the country and go into Mozambique that is something that I always ask for but every now and then you will get pulled over even in the middle of Mozambique and they ask for that letter and if you haven't got it you're going to end up paying a little fine um, or you're going to spend a few hours next to the road trying to argue the point and you're going to lose the argument at the end of the day. Right, so those are a few things. Um, the other thing that you do when you get to the border is fill in the temporary import permit. Um, you go into a little room there, you fill it in, give all your details. Um, what I've learned on that temporary import permit, they won't tell you what to fill in. So if you are towing a jet ski or a boat, or you've got a generator on the back of your vehicle, fill that in on the temporary import permit because there's a little column at the bottom is saying what have you got with you because you don't want to leave the country with a generator for instance that's something we've been caught up in initially and they ask you where does this generator come from and you tell them now I bought it in with me and I'm taking it back out and they'll say where's your temporary import permit for this generator and if you haven't filled it in on that form you're in trouble so I normally just fill in um, obviously our boat if we take it with um, what motors are on it and the trailer details with your trailer's registration papers and then if it's something like a generator on the vehicle I'll specify the generator so just to prevent any trouble from when you come back out of the border um, and the same thing for quad bikes and anything else I would even specify something like a surf ski because you might just get one guy that says where does this boat come from um, so specify you're taking a surf ski in and you bring it back out of the country so those are some of the paperwork involved um, I hope I'm not skipping anything I'm, I'm going through a little list I wrote and then inside my vehicle those little red triangles markers which you use when you break down you need two of those according to law so always keep them where you can find them don't hide them under your seats or under baggage keep them where they're easy to get to so if you get pulled over randomly and they ask what you can show it and then um, reflective jackets each person in the vehicle must have a reflective jacket you don't have to wear it when you climb out to fix a puncture or when you climb out even at the garage I put mine on um, so according to that is a safety precaution when you get out of the vehicle so people see you so I have them I just hang them over my seat so if there's four people in my vehicle I have four of those in my vehicle at all times and if the speed cops pull you over I have it in such a way they can see it 
um, you don't want to provoke these guys because um, then you're just making trouble for yourself. You've got the yellow and blue Mozambique sticker, which you've got to have on the front of your vehicle. And I have one on the front of the vehicle and the back of the vehicle. And if I'm towing a boat, I'll have one on the back of the trailer of the boat um, or whatever you're towing, if it's a little fenter trailer as well. That's very important and that's law. Um, then I also carry a certified copy of my passport and driver's license. Um, and I keep it away somewhere hidden in the vehicle. Because it, it can happen that you lose your, your driver's license and your passport, it gets stolen, and then you've got a huge problem coming back out of the border. So if you've got certified copies of that, just always keep it somewhere where it's safe, uh, just as a backup. It will help you a lot if something goes wrong and you end up losing your passport when you want to leave the, when they leave the country. Another thing that we've been asked for many a times and we we've had to pay fines for was fire extinguishers. So I suggest carry a small little fire extinguisher in your car. Um, I don't know if it's law, and some people say it's not actually law, but they do pull you over for that. So keep a little fire extinguisher. Also, I'd have it under my seat. And if I go through my vehicle and you get the odd guy that really wants uh, to give you a fine and he goes through the list of everything he wants from you, the second to last thing or the last thing they'd ask for is a fire extinguisher. And if you've got the fire extinguisher, which I did find that they end up asking right at the end after they've exhausted all the options, <laughs> is they go and check your number plate light at the back. Um, now, if, if you've got a, a bucky or a car, obviously it should work, but in South Africa, we, we, the cops don't actually care too much about that. But there it's a big thing. Make sure your little number plate light works. And then also put a number plate light on your boat trailer and your trailer. Now, I know it's not law, but if you haven't got it, you're giving them an excuse to try and find you. So that's just a little tip I can give you. Put that little number plate light on the bottle cheapy, put it on your boat as well. Um, we've been pulled over many a times with that. And as I say, when they've exhausted all the options to give you a fine, that's the last thing they look for. And if you've got all those things, generally you can get away without getting a fine. Then um, when, maybe you should just talk about getting pulled over. Um, you've had a few experiences <laughs> <laughs> which you've told me about before getting pulled over by cops and the reality of it is is that you get pulled over a lot in Mozambique our trip from the border to our lodge can vary from 13 to 16 hours drive so in the worst I've had is being pulled over 13 times just in Maputo and Maputo is within the first three hours of our trip but in general um the, the guys that pull you over will be the army guys at night. Then you have the police pulling you over and the speed cops. Um, I found that the, the speed cops, the guys dressed in white, they're the worst. So if they pull you over, make sure all your stuff is in order, all your documentation um, with you. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is your um, third-party insurance at the border. Uh, when you get to the border, there's a little officer there where they sell third-party insurance. And they might not always tell you about that. Make sure you go take out that third-party insurance. I think it's 400 rand for vehicle or something like that, and 300 rand for boat. But that's absolutely critical. Um, for two reasons, if you haven't got it with you, when you get pulled over in Mozambique, you're gonna get a big fine, ending in big trouble. And the second reason, if you do end up in an accident of some sorts, and you haven't got that, you're, you're gonna trouble. be in a big, big trouble, you're gonna end up in jail. So just make 100% sure about that third-party insurance. And 
there are at the borders you'll find these random guys that'll tell you oh, i'll give you the third party insurance for cheap don't buy from them go to the hollowed office um, there's a few different i always use hollows and um, they're very good there's a little guy sitting in the office go inside the office pay him the money make sure you get all the right documentation check all the um everything is written on that documentation make sure your vehicle details are filled in correctly your passport number etc etc so if they do pull you over and check it there's no faults on it because if it's if it's not filled in correctly it's also seen as fraudulent and you will end up in trouble so just remember that one so let's get back to getting pulled over so we travel through the night and um, just the way we go up to our lodge we will often leave the border um, travel for seven eight hours get to shy shy at shy shy we'll sleep in a guest house or just sleep at the garage for a few hours and then carry on to the lodge and it doesn't matter what time you travel at night mick it could be two in the morning three in the morning those guys are on the road doing the job they Still are there. very good at their job yes and i respect them for that um uh, the speed limit in most big simple you drive 100 on the main road when you get close to town there's a sign that says 80 kilometers hours and when you're in town it goes to 60 kilometers an hour um it's a very difficult drive you could get hundreds of these little towns and they're all right on the freeway but stick to that speed limit i promise if you don't they will catch you um two three o'clock in the morning they stand with a laser and they and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work but they can see if you're speeding and if you're speeding you're going to end up in big trouble so keep to the speed limit and don't race um what I also found, if we travel through over the weekends, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and sometimes Sunday nights, um, you've got all these little barracas, which are like little pubs next to the road, because all these towns are right next to the freeway. And they have these big parties, and kids and and children and uh, adults all dancing and just enjoying themselves, and sometimes in the middle of the freeway, especially if it's 2, 3 o'clock oh in the morning, there's not many vehicles. So be very careful of that when you travel in um, over weekends of these people dancing the road so if you stick to the speed limit obviously there's no problem and i've also found that generally these little parties where the people are in the tar road would be where there's no speed cops or army or police so those little towns where the army are doing their patrols that they would chase the people off the road but as soon as you find these people in the roads that's a sign that there won't be army or speed cop there because there's no one watching them so be very careful of that um so just a bit of a few tips on getting pulled over you are going to get pulled over. Um, I think on average, when we travel, we get pulled over 10 times going up to our lodge. Um, and you can't avoid it. So the last thing you want to do is be arrogant with these guys. Um, I've seen people try and argue with them, be arrogant. You are not going to win the fight with them. Um, they are doing their job. And I would say 95% of them are honest and just doing the job. Um, they are very friendly, always asking you, how are you? Um, are you tired? Were you traveling? And that's part of the job is to see if you're tired. And I've had army guys and police guys say to me, sir, you look very tired. Don't you want to rest? Pull over here where we are, sleep for two hours and carry on. And we've done it many a times. We've learned over the years that you actually stop at those police stops 20 meters back or past them where they are, park there and sleep in your vehicle for a few hours, get fresh again and carry on driving, um, especially us towing boats and loaded vehicles. So they are very friendly. You will get the small percentage that want to pull you over and want to bribe so that's the reality of it and be prepared for that so if you get the guy generally i see it if a guy takes my driver's license from me and then i know he wants a bribe 
Um, so just make sure all your paperwork's in order. If everything's in order, 99% of the time you're friendly towards him and there's nothing wrong with your vehicle, you've got everything you need, he will let you go. So um, I hope no one ends up in a situation where they have to pay a bribe to get out of that situation um, because obviously paying bribes is not a very nice thing. What I often do um, with us traveling so much, these roadblocks are generally in the same areas, the army roadblocks. The speed cops might move from town to town. But the army roadblocks in the same area and the police roadblocks are generally in the same areas and same towns. And you meet the same people over and over and over. So you, you build up this little relationship with the guys. And I always carry a bunch of cool drinks and when I get pulled over by these guys at three in the morning and it's raining and they're wet and they're standing there doing their jobs, I give them a cool drink. And they sort of learn to know who you are and you build this relationship with them. And if all your stuff's in order, you won't have any problems. So um, I'm not saying bribe them, but I say build a good relationship with them. I say, yeah. Um, I'm talking a lot now, Mick, but I'm just going through everything. I normally go through the process going through my head when I travel. Oh, Rudolph, this is great information. This is years of information. <laughs> just listen to it and do it, and you make life simple. Right? Yes, yes. Um, when, uh, when you drive at night, um, I don't recommend driving at night. We do it because we're forced to drive at night because we've got such a long way to get to the lodge. Um, and we can't fly up because we have to take all the gear up to the lodge, the boats, and sometimes the client's gear um, when they fly in. We do end up traveling at night, and I actually like traveling late hours of the night, from 12 o'clock till 4 or 5 in the morning, because the road's quiet. There's not many animals on the roads in Mozambique. That's one thing. It's very seldom that you'll find cows and goats on the roads, because their law is that the animal must be uh, must have a chain or a rope around the neck. So if you see a cow, it'll be uh, have a rope around the neck and tied to a tree. So it's very unlikely that you'll see animals on the road there. Every now and then you do, but it's very, very unlikely. The road's on good condition, so there's not many potholes, and you also know the areas with a few potholes, so generally the road's very good condition. But the one thing that I do, that does scare me a bit, um, and which is a reality, is when the, these police stops, the policeman has got a little red glow stick, it's about 40 centimeters long, I don't know what they call it, it's like a pattern, but it's got a little red light in it. And he will stand in the middle of the road, and he'll just wave it from left to right. And nine out of ten times, those batteries are flat on those lights. Oh, no. And you only see him when you're like two meters from him or three meters from him. So for the guys traveling and at night. two cans of coke. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you might need a bit more than that. <laughs> and um, so be very careful of that. When you enter a town and you go, they will never sit. Or, um, I've never had them sitting outside that 80, 60 zone. They'll always be in that 60 zone in town. So when you're sitting at 60 k's an hour, I, I like to go through at 50 kilometers an hour through town. Just for that, especially if it's dark and, the, and you can't see that well. Because that guy will jump up in front of you. He'll be there waving that little stick. And if you imagine knocking him, you'll, you'll spend many, many years in, Mozambique <laughs> in a lovely little prison cell. And there's uh, never normally one guy, is there? There's always another one down the road. Yeah, yeah. That, that often happens. Um, you, you might get... Stop by one guy and said they're genuinely friendly. They'll ask you where you're going, where you're from, and are you okay? And you go and don't think you're out of, out of the woods then because <laughs> 100 meters that. further there might be another guy um, because the army, the police, and the speed cops work separately. So the army guys are generally the most that you'll find in the middle of the night. And they are very friendly. I've never had many problems with them. Um, but just be very careful. Look out for the little red light. It's very, very faint. It looks like a little glow stick. When you see a thing in the distance, they start slowing down. Um, approach them slowly and just be friendly and you'll go through with no problems. So this is a little um, hint there for you guys. Then 
something I've learned over the years as well is just, just to learn a little bit of their language. Now, I can't speak Portuguese at all, but I've learned to say good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Now, when I first went to Mozambique, I thought bom dia was hello. But actually, bom dia means, or people say bom dia, but it's bom dia means good morning. So, and they don't respect you that much when you say bom dia in the afternoon or bom dia in the evening. So just learn to say bom dia in the morning and then boa tarde in the afternoon and boa noite in the evening. And if he stops you and you greet him in, in his language, already there's a lot of respect for you. And then you just learn to say thank you, which is obrigada. That's very easy. And if he starts speaking to you as if he can speak the language, I always say, sorry, I, I'm still learning. And generally when you show them that you're trying to learn and you're friendly, you've got no problem with these guys on the road. So, yes, that's a, it's a bit of a long story, um, traveling, but it sounds bad, but it's actually a nice experience. I, I like the experience every time I go through the country. The people are friendly. It's a beautiful country. Um, but just be prepared. Make sure everything is in order. Don't try and take a chance with the guys. Don't try and argue with them because you're in a different country and they're not going to let you go easily if you try and be clever with them. So, um, just to get to the last bit of my story here, coming to the fishing side, there's a few permits you need. Mick, um, maybe you can share some light on that. You do the boating thing. I know you guys in Ponto, they're very strict there. And there's certain permits you need when you go onto the beach. Um, yeah, 100% Rudolph. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because um, it was a major issue for us when we went last time in February. So, it's the same documents as South Africa. You need your COF, you need your skippers. Um, but what they're insisting on in Ponder is you have a radio. They're not interested in the license. If you've got the license, great, but you must have a radio. But as well as the safety gear for your category, what we got asked for last year was water, emergency water, the proper sealed up emergency rations and the proper sealed up emergency food. Um, I think it was two water, one food per person on the vessel. Yes. Okay. So that's the, 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 what your COF's registered for. So if you've got a, a vessel registered for four, it's eight water, four food, per, for obviously for the uh, people on board. Um, and what they asked us for last time was a, a extra safety equipment. So we got asked for two anchors. I think they were getting a little bit confused between a, a drogue anchor and a normal <laughs> anchor, but they so needed two anchors. Yeah. You needed a boat hook, which I'd never heard of before. So yes. we had to get the boat hooks uh, for them. Uh, we needed a torch. Now, they've misread the um, category D where it says torches for dive boats only, but they insisted you have to have a torch. So the bottom line is they may add things on. My advice is try and get hold of somebody who lives in the area or try and get hold of somebody who's been there recently. And if they say you need it, take it. You're yes. not going to talk them out of it. They're yeah. adamant you have <laughs> to have those things. But one thing I learned is a bit like the etiquette you're talking about, the language, Rudolph. Um, somebody said to me a couple of years ago that uh, Portuguese find it very offensive if you don't wear a shirt or you don't wear shoes. I think it's illegal anyway when you wear shoes. Yeah, yeah. And sunglasses on your head, they get really offended by that. Yes. Now, if you think of a typical South African, or even me, <laughs> <laughs> on holiday in Mozambique, that is a typical description of a South African. Yes. So if, if you're going to walk in a guy's office with no shirt, sunglasses on your head, nothing on your feet, and an attitude, you're going to have problems getting your um, permits. It's as simple as that. Yes, it's so true, Mick. Um, I, I didn't mention the sunglasses one. If you get pulled over during a day and you mm. speak to the police or the, uh, the speak up or the uh, army guys, just take your sunglasses off. It's a sign of disrespect towards them because you're not looking them in the eye. They can't see your eyes. Yeah. And wear shoes when you drive. 
um, not yeah, slops, on, yeah. uh, and don't drive barefoot. It's a it's a bit of a grey area, but yeah, very good point, Mick. Yeah. So so just to um, that vast amount of information you give us there, Rudolph. A couple of things I've came across as well, though, what might not affect everybody, but you need uh, you mentioned you need a letter from the company, but I went once. And I've got a small business. I've got a guest house, and it, it, it was a partnership. I need a letter from both partners, me one of them, to say that I can use my own vehicle in respect. Correct. So even if you've got a small business, you must still take that letter with you. Um, you might not get asked for it once or twice, but take it anyway. Another thing I would say is, uh, Rudolph, you mentioned uh, photocopying your ID and getting a certified copy. I would say also just photocopy all your documents and if you lose them you've got a backup copy of absolutely everything because um, I think the problem me definitely I go to Mozambique and you just chilled out you relaxed and once you get there you just leave documents all over the place so <laughs> now I have to be rigid I know where they are they're in a safe box behind the seat they're not really but anyway put them in a place <laughs> somewhere safe where you know where they are um, another thing I got caught out with um I think I'm called an alien in South Africa <laughs> for some reason, but if you're an alien living in South Africa and you go to Mozambique, what they asked me for last time was proof of accommodation oh, in a hard copy, not a not an um, email, not a WhatsApp, nothing. You have to have a hard copy of proof of accommodation. So I do know some people who've been asked for it after that. So if you're an alien like me live, going to Mozambique, take that um, proof of accommodation as well. So there's quite a lot of barriers going into Mozambique. We have, oh, you know what we missed is the documents being stamped. That's what Great. we must make sure as well, that your documents are stamped. Yes. Not the noise of a stamp hitting. Yes. You must check, check. physically you've got that stamp. Yeah. Because check when you come passport. out, if you haven't got that stamp, you've got a problem. Yes, it's known that in the past, I don't think that much anymore, they stamp your passport, but it's not a true stamp. It makes a noise, you're not looking. And mm. as you drive out the gate... He's got his friend standing outside and checks your passport. It's not stamped and you end up being, getting a big fine. So check all those stamps. You're 100% correct. Um, I've never had it happen to me, but I've heard uh, years ago that it happened. And I don't know if it's still the norm, but every mm. now and then you get a corrupt official. So make sure everything that needs to be stamped is stamped properly. Don't just listen to the noise, but it could be a false stamp. 100%. So Rudolph, we've, we've all that knowledge you've given us there my little bit of experience going to Mozambique I hope it's going to help the listeners um, we certainly don't want to put people going off to Mozambique it's an amazing country they're amazing people um, so I think if you just um, if the listening go through and take all those documents you'll have a wonderful holiday and hopefully we get over this COVID scenario and we can update people about the um, COVID permits as well yes um, Mick I think that is the main thing um, the COVID test I'm sure that will be ironed out shortly um, Mozambique is one of the nicest places to visit and something I'm going to touch on briefly is the malaria tablets don't try and go to Mozambique without taking those tablets there is malaria, people do get malaria people do get sick so I use Mozitec, it's an easy tablet to take it doesn't affect you at all take it, um, you don't want to get malaria it's a not a very nice disease we've had it so if you have all of these things in place it sounds like a lot, it's actually not that much you do it once and you keep it with you and your trips to Mozambique will be fun, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I was told you drink Tipitinto. Is that not true? Uh, you can try it, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rudolph, so that was a, a great episode. Um, vital, vital information there for anybody going to Mozambique. So um, from me, listeners, and Rudolph, 
Thanks for a great episode. Thank you very much, listeners. And yes, maybe we'll have a few more episodes on our experiences in Mozambique next time. I'm sure. <laughs>